0: Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. Here at the Recycle Garage in... Balls Hunt blazing and on fire and all the things Santa Cruz, California, and also Marina.
1: Yes. Hello, darling.
0: Hello. Hello. So let's say who is here in the garage today. Hey, everyone. I am Liza, and I am hot and sweaty, and I'm so glad I don't have a nutsack right now. Uh, Coming to us from his garage, how's your nutsack bagel? I'm melting. (laughs) It is rough. And uh, uh, holding up to his name, uh, looks like he doesn't have any clothes on. It's naked, Jim.
2: It is hot. My balls hang low. They wobble to and fro. I tie them in a knot. I can tie them in a bow. I throw them over my shoulder like a continental soldier. When it's hot, my balls hang low. (sighs) There's a second verse. Do Your balls hang low.
0: Okay, thank you. (laughs) So let's see how she'll follow it up. Hey everyone, Miss Emma. Hello, darling. Two words. Stretch, (laughs) Bousa.
1: Stretch, Bousa, darling.
2: With neon.
1: It's slightly cooler here in Marina. Slightly cooler, darling. Um, The hills are on fire with the sound of burning though. So um, I might be evacuated at any moment. (laughs) Do you have a fire down there? Oh yeah, it's massive.
2: Oh, I didn't Jeez. know where.
1: Yeah, well, according to the newspaper it's um it's uh, Mount Toro which is Salinas. However, it appears to be about 5 miles away out of my of my be- my, bedroom, my bedroom window. Oh goodness! So uh, yeah, there's a lot of lot like, of combustible material up there, and rather worryingly, there is a lot of unexploded ordnance as well. <laughs> oh yes,
2: there is on Fort Ord. Well,
1: oh my. Yes, well, so it might make for uh, it might get kind of interesting a bit later tonight. Um, well, not as we'll, late, we'll
0: sweat it out, darling. We'll sweat le- it out.
1: Some late fireworks.
0: Hey, you can't, yes, it can't exactly. be as interesting as last night with that that lightning storm that came through. I know right. in the rest of the country this happens all the time. Very rare here. Yeah, just to have rain this time of year, and then we had this like crazy mm-hmm. lightning that was like that static lightning just filling mm-hmm. the sky.
2: That was a trip because it was super hot yesterday too, and then at like, the middle of the night I was like, "What?" And then it's pouring rain. <laughs> yeah, it's like, "Good Lord!"
0: It's like, "What else can we go being, through?" You know, you I know think what's we're coming being punished next. Punished for being so cool, darling. You know what's punished. coming next. What's that? Uh, well, well, besides the fire NATO that's happening in the country, I don't know if you guys saw that. No, yeah, you know, an that. earthquake has got to be coming, right? <sighs>
3: there's I, I keep hearing you know there's you know it's that coming they, it's, it's could be coming yeah but like the second saying, person to say that
0: i'm yeah. saying what's next bring it on
3: uh you know some. am careful wish for
0: but you know what it still makes for good writing weather did y'all get some writing done
2: a little bit i think yeah i went up the coast i think <clears throat> a
0: bunch of us were very bad today and um r- raise your hand if you wrote in shorts <laughs>
2: yeah that'd be me <laughs> yeah me yeah
0: nope. no uh well it's just I would so without
2: hard. a helmet if it wasn't so it, if was, it was if we were in ohio so yeah i'd been in flip-flops no shirt
0: you know and yeah i i know our perfect weather not so perfect right now and nobody has sympathy for us so we'll stop talking about the weather but let's <laughs> right. let's talk about some other cool stuff like the fact that um by the time you're listening to this i'm pretty sure that the black hills moto film festival is probably just wrapped we've only got a few more hours of it left we put out uh nine hours of films online for your viewing pleasure curated into three nights of films and um oh my we the responses we were getting were amazing um people were having so much fun and the thing is um a lot of these films, they're not new. I mean, some are new, some aren't. Some are films I own or have seen or are available on the internet or we've talked about before, but deserved being brought up again. Uh, one of those we talked about last week, Scootistan, right? Yeah. Yep. Featuring Bagel and our friend Moin Khan in Pakistan. Um, and we got a big announcement. Da 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 da. Scudistan won the judge's vote for the best short film.
2: How exciting. Well done. It did indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you and very much.
0: We had a great panel of judges, um, Carmen Gentile being one. Uh we had shop owners, uh people from from the industry. So it wasn't just like me voting. Uh, yeah. otherwise, you know, motosexual would have won. Uh, but yeah, everyone loved it. Um
1: Oh,
3: wonderful! In
0: fact, uh, I had a I couple of emails. I still maintain. Emails. Yeah.
1: Well, just just hold on. Now. I still maintain that monosexual is basically a porno. <laughs> yeah. So I think. No, I think you're entering in the wrong thing, Liza. I think entering motosexual in a moto film festival is wrong. I think if you were to enter it in the 2020 Porno Film Awards, so it I've, would get a placement.
0: You're on the right track because I actually did. It's soft porn. I did enter it into a, um, <laughs> like the New York. Sex movie film festivals—they don't call it porn, but something like that. Right. No, it was a erotic film festival. I entered it. It didn't. Okay. Get, it didn't get chosen. <laughs> but But um, I wanted to share a couple emails in response to the uh, to the film festival and specifically Scudistan. Um, this one is from Rob in San Diego, and he says, um, "Hey, good, d- good damn job." God damn good job. That's it. Said not quite finished with the film festival offerings just yet, but I just made it past the Scootistan video in the playlist, and I've got tears in my eyes. I'm not even sure why, but wanted to send you my thanks for putting this film collection together. I guess it's the camaraderie and a writer's brother slash sisterhood that resonates with me and my experience as a writer in all of your selections so far. Bravo. Well done. Hope to meet you all and ride with you someday. Oh, right on. Well, you say say so you nice. far yeah. away. And then this one, yeah. this one came mm. from Thaddeus, and he says, uh, Hello, misfits. There is crying in. Wait wait, and- wait, 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 wait. wait, wait, wait. Uh, is, is that Thavuki Thaddeus? Thaddeus. <laughs> uh, and he says, there is crying in motorcycling just finished watching all of the black hills motorcycle film, film fest i loved them all but especially enjoyed scooter stan and bagels being moved by his experience i know the feeling and thanks for being real <laughs> cheers cool. bagel no. you're gonna cry again
3: no no I'm, I'm just i'm just very very touched that's i'm i'm really glad that people appreciated that because it was it, it was a very real moment and um you know it I, I truly felt such a warm reception when I was there in Pakistan, and and you know it 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 it, it was so um, just so revealing to to see what other parts of the world are really like, you know, it, firsthand, up close, in, in person, and you know I wish that more people had the chance to do that, and and unfortunately, uh, with COVID, that makes it. That much more difficult, but you know, I hope that once, once we get this thing under control, hopefully, you know, in the near future, that that will be possible again.
1: So I can tell you what, Birmingham in the UK is like. It's oh? brilliant, and it's full of people like me. <laughs> brilliant, <laughs> brilliant, <isn't it>, eh? anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have yet to be there. <laughs> No, I mean, the, the thing is with Scooterstan, I think the appeal, it's a, it's a classic appeal bagel because it's this ragtag bunch of misfits. Yeah, definitely. Like on, riding <laughs> definitely. just crappy vintage Vespas. Because let's be honest with you, they weren't concourse exhibits, were they?
3: Oh, no. Oh, no. No, they were, um, they, they hadn't worked hard and uh, prepared
1: across impossible terrain and it's the classic story of this ragtag ragtag group overcoming seemingly insurmountable odds to complete the task and meeting all these fabulous people along the way it's a great story and the fact that it's true makes it all the more that's the icing on the cake it's better than any fiction yeah and you're in it yeah (laughs) Yeah, and
3: it was that was kind of you know what we had in mind was that we were we were looking for you know an an adventure like that to to Cheers, darlings. (laughs) Cheers. You know, to 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 see you know the just these amazing sites in in this country that we had heard of and and to push ourselves and push these bikes to beyond what either of us were really (laughs) meant to do right (laughs) and which which is my mo and you know and and it was it was very hard at, at times you know there was the the you know, after we rode the the dsi plane we had to uh, ride the road uh back to gilgit which is um this car to Gilgit road this this de- road of death you know on the side of the cliff above the gate the ganges river i think it was or, or, or whichever river it was but you know uh, and we were just exhausted and i was just completely you know shagged out at the end of that but you know but we made it through and um and it was uh you know, it was it, it was it was well worth you know all of the uh, the difficulties we had along the way. Uh, I have a question have for you, Bagel.
1: Yes, I have a question for you. Is um, how did the locals react to your gingerness? Because <laughs> you are the palest person I know. I mean, your skin is yeah. beyond pale; it's practically <clears throat> translucent. So. Yeah. Um, how did, they, how did they react to you? Did they think you were like an apparition or something, or dead? Um, I, I think that they were... they to feed you? I mean,
0: they, they, they wanted to take your pot of gold.
3: Well, they wanted to feed everybody, first of all, because that's just yes, you know, of course. how, how sp- yeah, spit unwelcoming welcoming they are. Um, but but the, I, think, I think it was... I mean, we were all just... We were spectacles because we were all so different. Um, and it's like I... I stood out just in a different way than everybody else stood out but it wasn't like i stood out any more i think um but what's interesting is is that there is a a fashion in uh, pakistan and and i think in uh, afghanistan Uh, too and other parts of of that region where uh men especially older men will dye their beards with henna so they have these red beards so so it's 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 almost like Mm -hmm like red hair is actually you know seen frequently in that context so so to see me it was it was like a little bit different but not all that different
1: i guess yeah. so oh i see
3: so okay, very good
0: would you guys like to know who the other winners are Yes. So in the ultra short category, uh the winner was Vintage Soul. And this is a really cool um short film about uh basically a craftsman, a bike builder and he uses wood with his bikes with like this BMW with and it I loved it. It's it's a real craftsmanship. Um and then the winner and I think we all enjoyed this movie for the best feature was Penton, the John Penton story. You remember we had Todd Huffman on not too long ago talking about it. Everybody loved it because it was so well done. So many people interviewed, but such a great story that we can tie into motorcycling today and how the Pentons were such a big part of that.
1: And it distills down to that, Liza, because we've seen over and over again, you can have the best production, you can have the best cameras, you can have the best team, but it's the story, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the story that draws you in always. You've got to tell a good story.
2: What I liked about the Penn movie, and I think you make a good point, Emma, is what I like about movies is when they're kind of inspirational, right? And you typically get that from real life stories and inspiration but also makes you want to ride motorbikes you know after I watched the Penton movie like I'm fired up I want to go ride through the woods and get stuck in the sand and and (laughs) all that kind of stuff Um, You know, and and there were some movies I'll give you like one of the BDR movies I think New England we watched it was a great movie well produced they had a lot of money behind it great it was a lot of fun to watch but without Jocelyn Snow and the energy she brought to the story I didn't think it would be nearly as much fun so yeah good story good characters makes all the difference I think Penton has that
1: I've said this over and over again. You've heard me say this a million times. It's the human element. That's what draws us into any story. Is the human element. You introduce the human element, and that's what makes it entertaining. And, I mean, John, what a character. And he's dad. Yeah. I think, you know... <laughs> I'd love to somebody do a story about John Penton's dad. Now, that is an interesting cat.
0: And I'll tell you another film that I really enjoyed. Um, it's, a, it's a newer film. Uh, and you can look for these. A lot of these films, um, some of them are available either on YouTube or Vimeo. You can find them. That's how we found a lot of them to invite him to be a part of it. Uh, this new one called um, Whatever May Come. It's about uh, Christian Vogel, this German guy who sets off to do an around-the-world trip in a year on his GS. And he started in, uh, I think, New York or the East Coast and you know, went up through Canada, mm. went all the way up to Alaska, the tip, and came down and then went over to Russia. Um, and it was interesting to me because he went the same direction as Elsbeth did. And I found that there were some similarities decades later in his trip in dealing with, um, not being able to get money. Right. Cause there's like in China, you can't access your, the banks or the credit cards. Um, in India, he got trapped there for a while. Um, and he dealt with having an accident and, uh, an injury and, and having to heal, um, to be able to go on and continuous trip. And there are times where, He's like, do I want to keep going? Do I want to keep going or do I just bail? You know, it wears you down. It's hard. It's very hard. Or when he was uh, uh, going, trying to go over a mountain and it was snow and ice. And it's like, do you just give up? You know, and you're falling over and over. So I just found it interesting. It was similar along the lines to Elsbeth. If only Elsbeth had a camera on her trip, right? Um, But it's about dealing with whatever may come and just continuing on and um, the people that you meet along the way. And when you open yourself up to this and don't really have plans, but you meet people who take you in and help you out and give you a place to stay. And, and it's really fascinating how much that happens to travelers. So I love that one, whatever may come. So, um, big shout out to our sponsors: uh, Senna, Law Tigers, Moto Girl, and Break Free Tech. They all came in and helped us out ooh, with ooh, that.
1: Lighter, lighter. Can I? Can I
0: do it again? I haven't done it in with so long. Law Tigers. Roar! There, we go. They're great. But because we had sponsors, oh, yeah. we were able to make it a free event. So, and that's um, great. And big thanks to my partners, Shanna and Michelle, and to everyone, everyone who made films and submitted them. There's so many good filmmakers out there making films about all types of motorcycling. They're there. You have to find them. And that's what we did is we just oh – it's kind of like being the cook. You can go to the grocery store and buy vegetables and, and meat, but having somebody who can prepare and put it all on a plate for you is so much better, right? And we
2: yeah, talked you're about preaching to the choir. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, we talked about this a little earlier, Eliza. You said there's nothing really in the film festival that's truly exclusive just to the film festival. Mm-hmm. But what you did was you brought it all together in, under one umbrella. Mm-hmm. And you kind of gave it a relevance and a theme, you know? Um, and gave access to some films. Yes, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah Yeah. so big success we had almost i think 700 registered people nice yeah i know so thank you to everyone uh who participated and like i said if you missed out we will be doing another festival um i think later this year early next year but uh, i recommend going out there and trying to find these these interesting films um but yeah, I mentioned that I did do a little bit of riding today and I did ride in shorts.
1: You did. You're I a bad liar. <laughs> I
0: did. I rode two of my bikes. Uh, because I've been I was productive yesterday. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what. Uh, mm-hmm. the um the 690 enduro, new chain, sprockets and rotor. Getting that wheel back on was a bitch.
2: You know, really? one of those
0: things where you got to be on both sides. You're trying to get the rotor into the caliper. And then you're also trying mm. to align every the spacers and get the axle in. And I was calling around. Who's around? Who can help me? Jim didn't answer. Mm. He just he just doesn't answer the phone when it's me. I was or. at the beach all day. <laughs> I'm convinced. Mm. He just ignore. Um, <laughs> but, you know, persistence pays off. And a well-placed yeah. two-by-four under the wheel that let me... Toggle it around and move it up and down with my toes while my hands were aligning things, and you get it in, and then it's like, yeah, you know, I love that feeling. So I got that done, and I rode that a little bit today, but mostly I rode that to go get parts for the CX five hundred Turbo. And on oh, nice. last week, um, Emma and I did a couple test rides, and, and on my test ride, it died. And I was like,
1: well, it was it was a bit feeble from the outset, wasn't it? Um, Yeah, I guess. You know, we we I mean, the caveat was we got it running last week, but it wasn't running great. And I suspected it got shitty fuel pressure. And it the fuel pump basically said, I've had enough last week.
0: Yeah, I'm and not you, sure. You got it boosted once. I'm not sure if it was a fuel pump or the fuel filter or like it no, was a lot of pump. things. And then in the process of fidgeting with everything, the petcock kept leaking, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and the fuel, the fuel gauge. I mean, 1982 bike with a fuel gauge. Why doesn't every bike have that? Hello. Um, so I rebuilt the fuel system. I took the tank off. Pull the fuel sensor out, rebuilt that, pulled the pet cock out, rebuilt that. Um, and then uh, a new fuel pump, put that in, new fuel filter. And the thing is interesting, the, the pump and the filter, you can't, it's hard to get the original Honda ones. I mean, they're not really available, but able to find um, car parts, basically and using padding to pad them because they're smaller to make them fit into the rubber holder that mounts it, you know, holds it in place. It's pretty simple. And there's so much helpful info on the internet on how to do all these things. Nice. I love the internet, y'all. There's so many people sharing their information in any in these blogs. Um, so yeah, with Emma's help, got it all back together today. She helped me sort out... the. Uh, some wiring that got undone and just putting it all together. And she also showed up with a backup uh, um, fuel pump. Thank you, Emma, for being there with the Are backup plan. Um, put it all together and took it for a ride. Um, Jim, you got to ride it and Bagel, you got to ride it. Let's get your yeah. opinions. What do you think? 1982 CX500 Turbo. Bagel, what 40 do you think?
1: years old.
3: Um... Turbo. <laughs> it was a lot of fun though. Once you got it wound up, um, it, uh, it, it, it was, um, it made quite a bit of, of noise. <sighs> I, uh, I wasn't quite sure if all of it was supposed to make that noise or not, but I just went with it. And, um, but yeah, it, uh, it rode pretty well. It was comfortable. And, um, yeah, once I, I took it up uh, took it up 17, just went exit just to, to spin it up a little mm-hmm. bit. and uh, yeah, it, uh, it pulls really nicely. I was very impressed.
2: And what do you think, Jim? Uh, it, was, it was fun to ride., I, a, I was just impressed you got it started. You know, when you <laughs> picked that thing up in pieces, I was like, it's going to be a while. You were even like, "I'm not even going to touch it originally." So just to know that it was running, uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, when I sat on it, after my I, I finished burning my scrotum on the seat, um, <laughs> fucking talk about balls hot. Um, and then I, like, when you grab onto the handlebars, it feels like you're kind of starting to ride a jet ski. I got to admit <laughs> the way the handlebars feel <laughs> and the whole 80s vibe. But, um, but it was easy to ride. The brakes kind of suck, but I think you can sort that out, right? It just hadn't been written or whatever. But it was a lot of fun. It was very controllable. I thought it was going to be more like two-stroke crazy, but – um, I, you know, I thought it was it was not hard to ride. It was a lot of fun. I, I think you did real well for what you paid for that bike. Now it's running. I mean, I, I think you did great on it. And like you could ride it. You could go to somewhere and pull up and people be like, Cool, cool bike. And you'd be like, I know, I got it for fourteen hundred dollars.
0: <laughs> running and yeah, so complete. Well, I definitely so, yeah, it
2: was it was easier to ride than I thought it was gonna be.
0: I definitely got lucky because whenever you buy a non running bike that's mid project and the owner is not there to answer any questions you really don't right. know it's a gamble exactly um and to me i thought for that amount of money it was worth a gamble and wow i got the winning hand right it looks yeah. it right looks like that engine has been gone through already and the brakes i mean as good as they can be i mean they've been rebuilt um and Almost the entire body is there. There's two little screens and that cover vents that are missing. That's it. But everything is there. Um, So I rode it today. Now, you recall that I've said that the CX-500 Turbo is one of my favorite bikes just by design and looks. And I never wanted to ride one because I just knew I would be disappointed. It's a CX-500. It's a... 1980s
1: like meeting, 500. Like meeting your favorite celebrity and realizing they're a total d bag. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so I was hesitant, I was letting everyone else write it before I write it. Like, I want to, you know, I didn't want to be disappointed. Um, when I finally went and wrote it today and wound it up, and holy balls, hot! I mean, like it's a twin and I'm used to twins get up to about 5,000 RPM and you've already rung it out. There's not much more. Right. Mm-hmm. And this thing yeah. is just starting at five <coughs> from five right. to seven. It's like, woo! it's like, it's like, there's that, that more, there's that extra, there's that fun and excitement waiting for you just past 5,000 RPM. That, why doesn't every bike have that? It's exactly what I think people want. You get that, that rush, that, right? You guys get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um. Oh, yeah. Emma. Well, for Halloween, for Halloween, you can also dress up like Battlestar Galactica.
0: I know, you keep it, comparing. Like,
2: it. <laughs> when I saw Henry come up on that thing, it's so 80s looking, the, 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 the colors, the font of the writing, the whole plastic, the fairings. Yeah, I was told Battlestar Galactica.
0: I'm gonna Absolutely. say, you know, uh some collectible bikes are great because everyone wants to talk to you about it and it gets you attention and recognition. Yeah. And I know this is one of those bikes, but I don't I'm not looking for that. It I is had, a bike trying to
3: talk to like me like when it. I was riding it today.
0: <laughs> it is a bike that you is a pleasure to ride that I was. Did I just expecting. hear Liza
2: say not looking for attention and recognition?
0: Yeah. Though some person uh, with a sign asking for change was like, "Hey, nice park. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Um, But it is just, it's a pleasure to ride. It gives me that thing when you can just go take like a 15-minute ride and you feel like, yeah, you know?
2: It's got a comfortable seat, too.
0: It's comfortable. Um, So, Emma, let's talk for a second. The CX500 Turbo, why wasn't it successful? 1 year well, 1982
1: number one, Well number 1 it was very expensive it was more expensive than a goldwing I mean it was it was honda's flagship bike and they mm-hmm. priced it as such so not everyone could afford one and you know it's very funny that the bikes we look on as classics now One necessarily successful back then, and this is a great example, is our friend Tad, who was at the garage today, Mm -hmm. bought himself a new, a brand new Honda CB900 in 1981. Mm -hmm. And right next to it in the showroom was a CBX, which they were going to discount the hell out of because they couldn't give it away. Wow. Wow. So, and you'll hear this time and time and time again, a lot of these classic bikes were very, very popular and the attrition rate was very, very high. So we can divide classic bikes into two types. There's the exotic and you, whenever you say exotic, you immediately think German, Italian, you know, a high end bike. And that's one Mm -hmm. definition of exotic, But there's an exotic bike by a mundane manufacturer like Honda. The 6500 Turbo is a perfect example of it. It was low production. It was expensive. It was really, look at me. The thing is painted pearl white and day glow. It's got gold anodized wheels. It's not saying, look at me. It is yelling in your ear, look at me, and smashing your eyeballs (laughs) into the sidewalk. If you think that bike gets attention now, you think how it was back in 81. And not everybody wanted that kind of attention, especially in Europe. So it was a very low volume seller. So that's what makes it exotic. The other definition of a classic bike is a bike that's very, very popular in the day. Our English listeners are going to smile when I say Yamaha Fizzy. It's a 50cc moped fs one e nearly everyone got their start on an FS1E. But the attrition rate was amazing. They made thousands of these things, but thousands of them got wrecked. So the ones that are left now Mm -hmm. get astronomical sums. It's a very nostalgic bike. My starting bike, the Kawasaki KH250, again, very nostalgic bike. A lot of us got our start on them. And they all went by the wayside. <clears throat> so that's another definition of a classic bike. You know, it takes you back in time. Um, so your CX, it's it was a, it was not a successful seller, but Honda never intended it to be. Honda have got a habit of doing this. They'll showcase their technology right. for no other reason than they can. So let we'll look back at the. 6500, um, the CB750 automatic. Right. 6500 mm. turbo. The NR750. Mm-hmm. The Rune. Right. These are bikes yeah. that Honda never intended to be successful in terms of sales. It was successful in that look what we can do.
0: I think the Rune is a perfect example because those are highly collectible now. They go for a lot of money, and those are a modern bike. But they were never cheap. Yeah. They were
1: never cheap when they were new. I mean, they would double the price of a Goldwing when they were new. So by definition, they had to be collectible because not everyone
0: could afford them. But it's a good performing bike even today.
1: Oh, they ride well. Oh, yeah. I still haven't worked out out how that front end actually works. When you actually ride one, and I've ridden a few of them, You kind of look down at these linkages and when you go over a bump things that you think should be moving up are actually moving down away from you and things you think should be moving forward are moving back but it's an amazing riding bike and for something that's basically the size of a truck you can actually chuck it around a bit.
0: What do you think of the looks of a Rune? What do you guys think of the Honda Rune? Think it's a good looking bike or is it a weird looking bike? Yeah, go ahead and look at it. It's weird. It's weird?
1: It's weird, yeah.
0: You know, I could make it pretty.
1: It's not, I've never been a fan of sweeper fenders. Mm. And I think the Rune, this is just my opinion, so please, if you own a Rune, don't think I'm trashing your bike. The first thing I'd do if I got hold of a Rune is just take the, take a massive cut out of the back fender and do something Mm -hmm. like really weird and jet age with the taillight. Almost like Chrysler Imperial taillights from the early 60s, like a bullet with a ring around it. I don't know, something really wacky and space age with the taillights, but just mm. cut the fender off almost completely. And I think it would improve the bike a million percent. So, the rest of it's gorgeous. The so front end's amazing.
0: Today at the garage, we were talking about. What we think are the best looking bikes. And, and you know, it, I just I love those moments. Where we're all sitting around just shooting the shit talking because that was the, how the podcast came to be. We actually right. sit around. Shooting, you know, stuff back and forth opinions and sharing and looking stuff up and, and then leaning over and like, you know, the younger guys like Jeremy and like, do you even know what this is? You know, have you heard of it? Let me tell you the story. I just, you know, I was, I was a bit crushed, uh, that I was showing him, you know, what I thought were good looking bikes. And we were looking at the Indian chief. He goes, yeah, but those fenders are weird. I'm like, (laughs) Oh, what what well his other comment
3: was it looked like the fenders off a 50s car i was like um uh, i think you mean that the, 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 the uh, fenders on the 50s car look like a 30s Indian."
0: i don't know just like when mike saw the cx 500 turbo and he was commenting on the turn signals like oh these have gotta go i'm like hold on <laughs> i think the cx 500 turbo is one of the nicest looking bikes ever i've always been fond of it i have models of it all around me i want to know what you yes. guys think are the nicest looking bikes and while you guys are shouting out i'm gonna look up because i posted on uh our facebook page and there's a lot of people sharing except we're not going to share emma because she just emma you're just trying to stir the pot that's all you're doing
1: Stretch booster, baby no so what do you guys well, think
0: best looking well bike. my
1: suggestion to you lady is on that site, on, on the Facebook where you suggested best looking bike. Why don't you pick the picture that's got the most likes on it? Why don't you do that, darling? No, it's rigged. Find the one that's got the most likes. It's rigged. That's <laughs> <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, so I'm I'll at- throw my serious 10 cents in. Okay. And I'll tell you why. I know everyone's going to. I've got a lot to say about the Britain, and the Britain is a fabulous looking bike. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. It is a fabulous can, looking can bike. Can we
0: just establish the Britain is the best looking bike ever? And we're now just talking about the second best looking bike?
2: No. It looks like. <laughs> sometimes they're... it looks like Play Doh melted. <laughs> the Britain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and. John Britton, please forgive me, darling. Please, please, please forgive me. The Britton is a beautiful bike with Mm. an incredibly ugly front end. And you you just, once you see that, and I know from an engineering standpoint, the front end's wonderful and the front fender's wonderful. From an engineering standpoint, but we're not talking about engineering. We're talking about purely aesthetic. And it is a beautiful bike with a very ugly front end. So, my criteria for the most beautiful bike is a bike that can be withstood at at any angle. You can look at it from the front, you can look at it from the back, you can look at it from the side, and it's just drop-dead beautiful, and it's beautiful in the flesh. And to me, the bike that ticks all the boxes is the Honda NR750. It was built to be beautiful, it was built to showcase everything Honda did, it's just crushingly good looking just from a beauty standpoint if you like that kind of thing there is nothing that even comes close to it and i've yet to i've yet to see a bike and you can include anything mm-hmm. that's being hand built right now that comes close to the quality of build of that bike so there's nothing even
0: close it to it it basically looks like the ferrari of motorcycles
1: but it's better made than a ferrari it's tactile. You touch it, you look at it, you run your finger over it. <clears throat> Everything is just so exquisitely made. It's like a jewel.
0: I'll tell you what it reminds me of. Um, in the pug standard of breeding uh, for show dogs, <laughs> the, the, the best scoring dog is when you get the most dog in the smallest box, right? Right. That's how they yes. judge for bugs. that's what it looks like. Let's get the most motorcycle into the smallest box it's oh, no, a it's a rectangle i think it's I think
1: it's beautifully proportioned. it's not a big bike
0: it's not ugly, but to me, there's not think, enough detail that stands out that makes it Oh, beautiful. I think it's
1: exquisite it's absolutely exquisite um but that's that's just an opinion. are there standouts for me? 1969 Triumph Bonneville. is a gorgeous Mm -hmm. bike, and it's as good as that design ever got. I used to be a lot more fond of the 64s, simply because the golden white, oh, God, that is so perfect. But the 69 with the front brake and the way it sits and the cut of the rear fender, that's as good as British design ever got.
0: I'll tell you what. I really appreciate in a design. I like it when they do something a little weird. Um, I especially love bold or daring colors, unusual colors. So with the CX-500 like, Turbo, those gold wheels are just little, out of nowhere. They're can we great. talk about the day
1: And the day The
0: day-glo. Um <laughs> So let's see. Let's talk about, um, you know, we were, we were trying to, to talk about like the best looking Honda, the best all these. The one we were getting stuck on, or at least for me, because all the other categories. What's the best looking BMW? What's the best looking Harley? Yeah, yeah. The best looking Suzuki. I got stuck. I'm like, um,
1: SW one.
0: I don't necessarily think that they're ugly. I just think they're kind of bland, usually, and not taking any risk.
1: Suzuki SW one.
0: But I will say the GS eleven hundred E is a good, good looking bike. bike. Is a good looking bike. The,
1: the GSX fourteen hundred is a very handsome bike.
0: So what's it's the a brute? What was the one you just said, the other Suzuki? SW
1: one. SW one
0: wow. let's see. <laughs> it should be appealing to you,
3: bagel. It's very interesting. Is it their response oh. to the Pacific Coast?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say that I do like it in that it is an unusual design. Very. Wait, when was this bike made? Oh, about 90s years ago, darling. Yes, but 90. it looks like it's the like 50s styling in a 90s bike. Oh, yes. Okay, I mean, you know any, I like that. Any any
1: bike that you can get in. And the colors listed are, are ivory. You could buy it in baked beans <laughs> or you could buy it in cardboard as well. <laughs> there's there's a, an avocado green, too, it looks like.
0: And it yes, has... I think
1: the avocado green was particularly appealing. And
0: But I and think you know the what
3: this... baked beans. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what this really reminds me of? Uh, the, the Nissan Pow and Figaro, you know, like the retro yeah, style. Yeah.
1: That's well, right you in know, the same era. I mean, it's the same era. It's exactly the same. It's this very nostalgic and not altogether accurate look back. Yeah, it's almost like steampunky. I'm
0: gonna say it's like, it looks like a Triumph Tiger Cub and a Vespa had sex.
1: Kinda. Oh, it's not that good looking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, um, I do. I love that. Thank you for bringing this to attention. The Suzuki SW1. This is somebody who went out on a limb design-wise. It's yeah. slightly uh, unusual. Did you get a shot I appreciate it.
1: It's absolutely adorable at the back end.
0: And in a 95. It looks bike. like a tick. Oh. <laughs> it looks yeah. like a deer tick yeah. from the back. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. And, All right.
3: And I I yeah. have another one that's uh, that's a very uh kind of out there design. Mhm. It's the yes. uh, the, the twenty ten Victory Vision eight ball.
0: Yeah, I've oh, read i 8-Ball it's a
1: very interesting
3: looking the Victory
0: looking Vision thing. again. Um, this is the Arlen S design, right? Yeah, it might be, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's it's left to center. I like it when they take a take a risk. And they risks don't always pay off, Suzuki Katana. <laughs> but <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I said it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think though um, best looking Harley Davidson?
1: Oh mm. anything AMF. Um, I'll stick my neck out. Seventy six FX Superglide. By far. Not even not even close. Seventy six FX Superglide. Beautiful.
0: Um, I love the the fifties sportster. It's looking like a Triumph. Like a, it looks like a British bike. Good-looking bike. I like the paint scheme. Um, I, re- I really like those. It's funny that you choose the AMF. I just think of those as kind of square. Aren't they oh, no. hard look up, lines? Look
1: up, look, look up a, a 76-1200FX. Oh,
0: God. It, they're just amazing-looking things. Let's see, the Harley 1200, FX? Yep,
1: 76. Very well proportioned Uh, uh, bike. Oh,
0: huh? Okay.
1: So, here's another one for you to look at. If you're interested in interesting design, and there's elements of scooter in it, there's elements of motorcycle in it, there's elements of spaceship in it. 1962, Victoria 155. 1962, 1962, Victoria. Victoria 155.
2: I feel like we're playing bingo. (laughs)
0: Bingo!
2: (laughs) Oh, that's cool looking. Holy moly! Yeah, that that looks like a a Flash Gordon, like one of those fifties Schwinn bicycles
1: on steroids. (laughs) Right, and I mean the thing is that is the most radical inclination of that design thought. Yeah. But back in the early sixties. There were a ton of bikes that look like this. Some were more tame than the others. So yeah. now, punch in, I'll give you an idea of the English version of that bike. It's a lot more conservative, but it's basically similar. So go to 1962 Aerial, and you've got to spell it right, mm-hmm. leader. 1962 Aerial Leader. And you'll see the English version of that bike. But you'll see it's got a lot more conservative Britishness about it. Yeah.
0: All right. I got the Little Mermaid came up. I don't know what I funny. did, but that's what came up.
2: <laughs> I got oh, some, Ariel. i don't say it.
0: Ariel, the Little Mermaid.
2: <laughs> like the, you know, Ariel, like, oh, look at the rear end on that thing.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, Ariel. That, was, that is cool looking, yeah. It's right. like you go through the snow in it. it
1: yeah but you can see it's very, very similar. you know in the early '60s mm-hmm. there was this great trend to put like car style bodywork on motorbikes, but of mm-hmm. course, it was the '60s so everybody was doing all kinds of weird drugs mm-hmm. and there was this great push for very sort of jet age styling and the Victoria, which was basically Austrian and German collaboration was a lot you know there was a lot more design went into it. You know, the British companies were a little more reserved and a little more conservative, so, but they still wanted to cash in on that. So the aerial leader was, was their take on it. It's a good-looking bike.
0: So um, can we also agree that besides the, um, the Britain, that the, uh-huh. the, the Italians are very good at design? Oh yes. So, um, just looking, are
1: very pretentious uh, designing.
0: On our on our post, let's see. Oh, our friend Laz Blaine, he likes the Panigale before it got wings. Um, yes. I'll oh, buy that. Larry loves the SR 500, the one he bought from me. Uh, let's see. Tim loves the Victory I th- I Vision. Think, you
1: know, what? I think Larry. Loves the story of that bike. <laughs> Although the SR500 is a nicely proportioned bike, yeah. I think Larry just loves his
0: bike. He loves it. Let's see. Tim loves the Victory Vision. Again, it is, it is futuristic. Right. It, I do appreciate interesting design. Let's see. Rob loves the Honda Cub. Just and you a know simple what? basic the Honda Cub. Cub.
2: Everyone loves the oh. Honda Cub.
0: Let's see. Dennis likes mm. the BMW R1100S.
2: Lots to love
0: about that uh, bike. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Lyle loves the 2002 Honda Interceptor. Good lines, Again, good lines. Uh, it's,
1: the Interceptors have been pretty since 86,
2: yeah. you know. Cool bikes. The, yeah, they're just cool. They're just beautiful
1: bikes.
0: <clears throat> Dave loves the RD400 with a bullet fairing. Okay. Let's mm-hmm. see. Uh, oh, we were talking about this earlier. Joel loves the Vulcan Drifter. There you go. Yeah, the Kawasaki. It's a good-looking bike, and again,
1: it's a very nostalgic bike. Let's see. Cole loves Looking back at a time that might not have really existed.
0: Ah, now here's interesting. Cole loves the Triumph Speed Triple, and the thing I don't like about the Speed Triple is the Bug Eyes, and he says, this one has a single headlight conversion. I'm like, I can get behind that. That's the one thing I don't like about those.
1: The kind, the kind of bug-eyes are a design feature. Did I ever tell you where the bug-eyes came from? No. Okay, well, sit down, because we're going to do a mini history hole.
0: Okay, it's Ooh. time for a bug-eye history hole.
1: So, um, Street Fighters, the Triumph Speed Triple is a Street Fighter. Do we all agree on
0: that? Sure, yes, yes, that would make sense. S-
1: <gasps> street Fighters were born in the Midlands of England... I'd love to say Birmingham, but the truth is Nottingham is considered the birthplace in the mid 80s and they were born for a reason. A lot of the young guys and girls back then were buying the original slabby Jixers because it was the hottest ticket on the road. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the insurance companies got wind of this very, very early on of the performance this bike was capable of and wouldn't insure them for comp and collision. So, if you had a bump on your bike, you were on your own, mate. So, you would get a lot of very young, slabby jigsaws getting smashed up. And the easiest thing to do was you'd smashed up all the fairing and snapped a clip on off. Mm-hmm. Well, take all the fairing off and put a conventional handlebar on it. Hey, presto, you got a street fighter, which is quicker than anything else on the road. If you look at those slabby jigsaws, look at the headlights.
0: Yeah, well, I can think of other bikes, too. That dual headlight was a thing on those sport bikes, the Ninja 750. But the
1: Slabby Jigsaw was where it was born. And you take and the actually plastic off. And had a cage around mm-hmm. the headlight. So once you take the plastics off, you get the classic bug-eye look. That makes and so much sense. that's where it came from. And then Triumph, really, were the first to jump on the bandwagon and make this production Street Fighter. And they wanted to keep that sort of slabby Jigsaw without a fairing look so it had the bug eyes a lot of people don't like them i like them oh. i mean it's it's a very british look yeah it's terribly british darling
0: so going down the list uh, jeff introduced me to a bike that i've never seen oh the ducati indiana the ducati indiana i've never yeah. seen one i mean it's not the best looking bike out there but i kind it's of like it well, That's it's like a boss. small power cruiser. I, I mean, I'm not sure how to describe it, um, but I kind of like that it's different.
1: Right? Oh, I like it. Do you know, Jeff, do you know Jeff was my yeah.
2: old boss at uh, Monterey Peninsula uh, Passport?
0: Yeah, I like that one. Hello, hey, Jeff, darling. Pat loves. You know, the
2: seat's a little wanky, but other than that, it's a good looking bike. Yeah. Well, you'd name me a 90s cruiser that hasn't got a yeah. wanky seat on Yeah. <laughs> <it. laughs> <laughs>
0: um, Pat likes the Yamaha R7, and I agree. That is a good-looking bike. It is a um, very good-looking oh, bike. Oh, John said the Irving Vincent. Ooh, that is a good-looking oh, bike, no, too. Oh, no, it,
1: it's the Eglai Vincent, the Franz Eglai uh, Vincent.
0: Built in Australia.
1: Oh, that is an Irving Vincent.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I'm going to agree. Uh, Justin said the Indian FTR 1200. That is a very good-looking bike. Yeah, I am going to agree, agree with on that. that. Let's see. Moto V7 Classic. yep
2: yeah, um,
0: Okay. Randall posted the... Um, oh, we were just talking about this. What's the uh, Ducati called again? The um, Multistrada? Oh, God, that's a Multistrada. And he said, fight me. <laughs> All right, Randall, it's on. I'm throwing down with you. I will fight you I, on that.
1: Randall, <laughs> Randall, don't make me come over there. I'm gonna Dol- say, w-
0: uh, Multistrada is not the ugliest bike out there by far. Uh, uh, we can really? all agree that's the R1200C b- BMW, but um, Wait a minute, but you just crushed John Dalton. I, I, yes, but Randall, <laughs> the Ducati sets a high bar, and this does not meet the Ducati bar. That's it. Compared to the rest of the bike world, it's cool looking bike. But, no, I expect more from Ducati. Um, Aaron likes his Striker. It's a nice cruiser. Um, Scott loves the 1954 AJSE95 Porcupine, which... Looks like somebody kicked it in the nuts it. and the nuts, uh, <laughs> and it
1: swollen over in pain.
0: <laughs> it's <swole>. full,
2: yeah. <laughs> like uh, when you punch Seamus in the nuts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian likes the Vincent Black Shadow. There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of good bikes. Um, <coughs> hey, I got one um, for you. Which, yeah. w- which bike got the most likes, Liza? Uh, that was the Britain, of course.
2: I thought oh, she's gonna say so that no bike- matter what. <laughs>
0: Which bike got the
1: most likes, Liza?
0: The Briton.
1: Stretch, boozer!
0: Suck
1: Stretch, boozer! And I carefully selected one with a chrome finish. Yes, you did. So you can see, <laughs> when you look into the side of the fairing, you can see your own joy reflected back at you.
0: So a um, moment. <laughs> I want to start fundraising now. Send your PayPal payment to RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com and help us raise the money to buy Emma a chromed out stretch buset just so we can force her to ride it around.
2: Uh, the naked only ride.
1: If it, only if it's got purple neon.
2: Absolutely. Yep. The glow. Uh, a, hope, All
0: right. Hope Ugl- it's got a turbo. Ugliest bike.
2: <laughs> Ugliest. Oh wait, Jim, you had a bike you love. What was it? I was going to say I got one. So yeah, we were talking earlier, and I like. Uh, you know, beauty's only skin deep. Mm. I'll start with that. And here's a bike that's a classic. Um, maybe not strike you as beautiful to begin with, but it is favored by Hollywood. So this is a British bike. I think they started making it in the mid '50s. Um, some Hollywood names. Let's see, James Dean, I believe, owned one. Ooh right um you would also see steve mcqueen riding it it uh-huh. was also the bike that jumped the fence in the great escape uh-huh. so it's a 1960 triumph tr6 and i think this to me it's beautiful because it's everything motorcycle it's functional it's um accessible so anyone can ride it but it's got these great like british lines a lot of a lot of like shiny stuff you know the engine case is shiny <clears throat> the exhaust is shiny and i like the uh Anytime I have that I see that scrambler exhaust that comes up and is kind of in a straight line, it's beautiful. So I'm gonna say a classic, you know, Triumph T R six, I think is a beautiful motorcycle because it does everything. And it's cool. And you Stay know what, McQueen. Jim?
1: That's basically what our friends down um, down south at Hello Engine. That's what they spend all their time building. Yeah, I think they're cool. I
0: yeah, wanna give cool as hell. I wanna give honorable mention to MV Augusta any one of them because any one of them from certain angles is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen they don't necessarily fill it out 360 degrees but from some angles you're like wow look at the butt on that bike
2: right (laughs) yes (laughs) Now, when you mentioned MV Agusta, you know there should be a separate category for like emblems and decals because some of those old Italian bikes, like you had mentioned, the, like the '30s cafe racers, and mm-hmm. like the Ducatis, MV Agustas, these other small, like little manufacturers, they had the coolest logos ever. Like I remember going down to Moto Talbot, and he has a bunch of those fully restored, and it was like the coolest art—just the little decals on the gas tanks, things like but, that. But you know that—that oh, yeah. that
1: was the pride. That was the pride of the manufacturer. You know, you made in your mind, the greatest motorcycle in all of Italy, which meant it might be the greatest motorcycle in all of the world. So you wanted to put this fantastic logo on it and incorporate all the things that were important to you. So you got these really fantastic, complex logos on them. Just wonderful stuff. The MV one is particularly beautiful.
2: Oh, here's one for you, Emma. You'll have to help me out. But what was the Honda, like the CB360 or something they made with the dipped gas tanks that were all psychedelic and one-off? Yeah. Oh, that was the Dragon. Yes. Yeah, that
1: was the, the, uh, it was the Dragon something. The uh, 360
2: or something. I
0: will give that honorable mention for going out on a limb with the paint scheme.
2: Because well, they're one of a kind, right? And you could get them in... How, what was the process? Didn't they dip them in an oil and then dip them yeah, in hy- paint? Yeah, they were like hydro-dipped.
1: They were hydro dipped. What they did was the, basically... Yeah, Bagel's got his hand up. Talk us through it, Bagel. <laughs> oh, no no, 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 no. No, I just was... No, go, go ahead. Is it... Uh, I can't remember the name. It's Dragon something. I think it might be Dragon Lady or something. Um, but what they basically did, they did a base color on the tank, and then they floated a... Um, Complementary but different color mm-hmm. on the surface of oil, dip the tank, and you got this fantastic psychedelic pattern. Um, and then they just let it dry, clear over the whole top of it. And they're very rare now. Yeah. Um, the very 1970s. You talk about 1970s, um, that trident that I'm building right now on my bench is the craziest shade of purple. <laughs> and it's a factory Triumph colour, you I know, because that's it. how things were back in the early seventies. Just oh yeah, the Nortons in particular. For nineteen seventy, the Norton metal flake range, you could get metal flake yellow, red, blue, purple, lilac. These amazing and big, like baspoke metal flake. They were not shy about it at all.
0: And can I just mm-hmm. say, also, my favourite paint. Coloring Ducati the super sports. Remember when they had the that teal frame, and then the Paul Smart replicas. They kind of carried over. Oh, with the
1: clear, that
0: clear bit of the
1: gas tank
3: to show the level. Yeah, That was
0: good. Teal, so beautiful. Yeah, Bagel, what do you got?
3: Yeah, well, I wanted to bring up a couple scooters too. Yeah. um, Because uh, there are some really, really good-looking scooters that have been around. Um, One of the uh, the earliest scooters actually is a, a Salisbury. And uh, this was a, a scooter that was made actually in Oakland. What? And uh, yes, I think they started in the late 30s uh, through the 40s and maybe into the early 50s, um, but they didn't survive very much longer after that.
0: Okay, I'm officially um, requesting a future history hole from you on these. Okay.
3: All right, I will find out some uh, some yeah. info on that, um, and it's it's a very sleek looking bike. Um, one of my friends actually rode the uh, scan, scooter cannonball run in one of those that he had stuffed, I think, a ninja motor into. <laughs> um, so, uh, and he actually he actually ended up winning that year. <laughs> so, wow! Yeah, complete Frankenstein project. It was amazing, um, but uh, but it's a very cool looking bike. Uh, you should look it up, uh, Salisbury No Eye. Uh, another scooter that is uh, a very good-looking bike, uh, actually, there are two variations of it. It's the Vespa GS. Uh, the first model is the 150, and the second model is the 160. Um, and uh, they redesigned it uh, between the, uh, the different uh, different uh, series. Uh, but they're very, it's, it's the, sort of the, the, the quintessential Vespa. Um, and it was sort of Vespa's flagship model, uh, their, their sport scooter of the day. Um, and it was a huge seller. Um what what time period was that bagel like mod time early 60s? It these uh, these came out in 55 and were made until 1960 or 61 I believe.
0: I I'd, like okay. I'd like to point 60, out I'm sorry 64. That the Salisbury scooter looks like a bumper car.
3: Uh it does a little bit. <laughs> but it's a it's a very sleek yeah. sort of uh aerodynamic like 30s aerodynamic styling to it. Yeah. Um and very very cool bike. Um <clears throat> Another uh, classic, quintessential scooter is the uh, the Lambretta uh, TV one hundred and seventy five and two hundred yes. series yes. three. Uh, yes, yes, the series three Vespa or series three Lambrettas are um, a, a a complete redesign of the earlier Lambrettas, uh, made much sleeker and slimmer, and uh, and it's it's a um, I, I forget which design company helped. Uh, helped come up with with the design, but it was it was one of the the major Italian design studios, and it was it was a, an instant hit, and sold sold a, a, an incredible number of copies, and it's it's the model that was then reproduced for years after that in India under different uh, different umbrellas.
1: Can I so stick my are, neck out, bagel? I th- I think yeah. that might be Innocenti.
3: Well, Innocenti I is, is the was- parent company. Um, oh it was the parent, parent company. company it wasn't it Lombarda, wasn't a yeah. design studio okay. no no but uh, but there's a different design studio. i forget which one i don't know if it was
1: i i, I forget off, uh, i can't remember off the top of my head but Come um, on, tell us about the et4 though because we agreed on that
3: <laughs> well the et4 is is uh is a very interesting bike because it's it's the sort of Consider the first modern Vespa, uh, where it has an automatic transmission and a four-stroke motor, rather than the old two-stroke uh, with manual transmission. Um, but it's it, it was designed to keep the classic Vespa styling, but but in a, a more modern form that that um, that's sort of very very curvy and and um, almost would you say it's almost balloon-like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I mean, every time, every time it's, I see an ET four, and I work on quite yeah. a few of them, still. They're yeah. just so adorable. You want to yeah, give them a hug? Yeah, there's
3: there's there's not a straight line on the bike. <laughs> Everything is curved on this bike, <laughs> which there which
1: was is, this yeah, it's it's a very there was great this great movie. character um, on British TV in the early nineties, mm-hmm. and he was a kind of he was a parody of all the children's shows. He's, he was called Mister Blobby. Yes. <laughs> and um, mis- <laughs> And if Mr. Blobby was a bike, he'd look like an AT4. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're great. I think they're just wonderful little things.
3: Yeah. And they're getting to an age right now where they're actually, um, they, they've decreased in value to the point where you can pick them up super cheap. But they're, they're, there isn't really a big following for them yet. So, in the future, because there's going to be fewer and fewer, and fewer of them around, the ones that will remain are. I think going to be more sought after, you know, eventually because right. they, they're very easy to work on. Um, they're carbureted bikes, um, very very simple technology. Not a lot of um, yeah, not a lot of electronics in them. So, um, <clears throat> you know, so I think they're they're sort of a very uh, underrated scooter. Uh, that's that's something that's a little more modern. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but if you want to go for very uh, out there scooter designs, there's the Italjet Dragster 180.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, we were talking about this earlier this afternoon. Uh-huh. Um, this is the that one that's bike.
0: in the art of the motorcycle, right?
3: Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it has a, a trellis frame and a completely bizarre um, front end suspension that I don't even know how to describe. It, it, um, it's basically it's
0: like a MotoGP really pit bike.
3: Kind of, yeah, yeah. Except except shrunken down. Yeah. Um, it has a 180cc uh, two stroke engine and automatic mm. transmission. And then as fast as hell, <laughs> but, but the design is, uh, is really, really out there. Um, it's, it, it, it's definitely an acquired taste. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, radical experiment in, in uh, scooter design. Uh, another bike that I, I've, I found was a very, um, kind of a risky design that I, I don't think it really paid off in the end, but, but I kind of appreciated it for what it was is the Yamaha morphus uh, which is, it, mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's a long sort of a maxi scooter, but it's slung super, super low. So if you can kind of imagine like a, a Helix, like a Honda Helix, right. but you lowered it, that's what the Yamaha Morphus is like.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah.
3: And, and it has these sort of big Cadillac style taillights in the back, or, you know, on either side of the trunk. Um, and it's a very sleek design. Um, most of them are black and, um, and it's, I, I, I don't, I never had a chance to ride one, so I can't say how well they rode with, with a very long wheelbase like they have.
0: If, um, if Batman rode a scooter, it would be this.
3: It does look very Batman like. Yeah. It looks good for the snow.
0: <laughs> it does. It looks like a snowman. <laughs> the headlight mobile. will
2: actually melt the snow, <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it looks cool, fun. though. I think it looks bitchin' I bet it gets great mileage. Probably,
3: yeah. It doesn't have a very tall profile, so it'll cut through the air pretty easily, I imagine. It's like a pimp in
1: seating position too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, laid back. So out of all your choices, Bagel, I think the one I'm happiest with the most is the Italjet Dragster. Mm, (laughs) And, you know, Italjet, they're the great forgotten Italian manufacturer because they're kind of dark horses. They do a lot of very interesting things, but they're not exactly famous. Mm. In Britain... (laughs) They were the most famous for doing child's bikes. There was a ton. Mm. And when I say child's bikes, I mean little children's bikes. Yeah. Um, Italjet did a ton of them. To me, one of the best-looking British bikes was an Italjet Griffin, Hmm. which was basically a a Bonneville engine, which was slightly worked Mm. over in this just gorgeous Italian frame. And Italjet made it. Um they did the dragster as well. They did um they took they re engineered Velocet five hundred single engines and sold them in America as Indians. Ooh. under the ownership of Floyd Clymer and that was back in nineteen seventy. Hmm. So it's a very interesting company. So, so it told you. There- can, I, can I throw one more out?
3: There?
0: Okay, one more.
1: Um, it's
3: it, it almost it kind of crosses the line between scooters and motorcycles. It's okay. the uh, the Honda NC700NM4. Uh,
1: uh, oh yeah. yeah,
0: yeah.
3: We've
1: got a friend with one of those,
3: Liza. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Is that to- Tony? Tony yep. has that, right?
1: Yep. Yeah, Tony. Yeah. Yo, Tony. <laughs> yeah, the
3: that's another very s- Low, sleek bike.
0: I'm sure that there's something that we missed. And listeners, this is your opportunity. Send an email to RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. Let us know what we missed. What you think is the best looking bike, I mean second best looking bike to the Britain.
1: And if you can, include a picture of yourself frolicking on the beach. If you live by a beach, if you don't live by a beach, you may compromise with whatever you have in your kitchen. But consideration will be given Good to people Lord. frolicking D- on the beach. I don't want in these photos. Kitchen. You're For setting me be- up. At least improvise. No, I'm maybe not, maybe not, maybe not, we're going to broadcast them next week.
0: It's all right. I'll just forward them to Knock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> poor Lonely Knock.
2: If anybody likes to frolic, it's Knock. So I would encourage you to send those frolicking <laughs> photos to Knock at Recycle Garage.
0: <laughs> um, so uh, there's another topic I wanted to cover, because Jim and I, on our trip, we had such a great trip, right? We um, We did. There was one of the things, though, with that renting that big RV and having the trailer with the bikes on the back.
1: Oh, God. You couldn't
0: see the trailer at all. There you didn't were no, have to. There were no windows. No, the mirrors couldn't see the trailer. No backup camera, nothing. We just had you to trust. To. We just had to trust that it was there. There were many times we're like, it's still there? Well, don't. If there know. was
2: ever a problem and it happened multiple times, <laughs> people just drive up frantically next to us. This is what I'm getting at. at this is what I'm getting You Don't need to. a mirror.
0: That happened quite a few times that somebody pulled up, waving their hands and pointing. We're like, oh, no. We thought
2: we were getting robbed. I'm like, oh, shit, we're about to get robbed.
0: Oh, no. Um, I wanted to talk about, because I don't think we've talked about this before, loading your bikes into trailers and trucks and such, transporting your bikes and the proper way to do so. And some of the tricks that we've learned. Um, and we definitely learned some lessons on that one. However, what did save us is that we had extra straps. We had extra straps, extra rope, just having extra just in case. And the reason that we were having failure, um, I'll just say, so in the trailer, you got two wheel chocks and the bike slide in. So first of all, having wheel chocks gives you some stability. Um, the problem was, at least on my KLR, the bars – or just as wide as the frame rail where I'm going to attach it. So it's not like you have the, the strap going at an angle, really securing it. It's basically going straight down. So it's hard to really secure it to keep it from falling to the inside, to the other bike. The best kind of straps, um, now I'm blanking, Jim, what is the brand of the strap that we use?
2: So we like the pro taper. So these yes. are the ones, the black ones with the yellow writing that have a cam when and I'm not a fan of cams because I've I've had a trailer equipment and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I always like things that lock ratcheting. But you know, uh, you actually turned me on to them, Liza, and I started using the pro taper and they have the piece of fabric or webbing that will loop over, you know, we we loop yeah. it through the handlebars and triple tree. And then you, the hook, instead of just hooking on the handlebars, hooks through the loop of webbing. And what that prohibits is when the bike bounces up and down or moves hard from side to side, the hook just doesn't come off, which happened on the lower part of the trailer. One of the times someone frantically waved at us. But um, yeah, the pro tapers, I, I, I've used them a shitload. Well, I know a lot of other people have. Better, I
0: like better yet on the other end of the Pro Taper, instead of having an S-hook, it has a carabiner. And the point of this is you can hook it to your eye bolt. And even if the bike is jostling around and creating slack in the line, that S-hook isn't going to come out, it stays. So you don't have to wrench it down as tight as you would. The reason we had failures because on the back of the bike to give it extra stability, we had a second strap that only had an S-hook. And that bike would bounce around enough that that S-hook would drop out of the hook uh, until it finally just snapped (laughs) that was you
2: know one of the things we did with the extra straps because normally the way you know eliza and i do bikes whether it's in the trailer or in the back of my truck you just pull the front wheel forward put straps on the uh, handlebars right near the triple tree and then you know tighten them down and just do that but on this trip um we went ahead and and put some extra straps on so that redundancy i think is never a bad idea um because you know you never think it it's going to snap or come off, but yet it does. So I think having a third or even fourth strap, so if it does fail, even strapping it in a way that it's going to fall into the trailer rather than mm-hmm. out over the side. And, so I think redundancy and being thoughtful if straps do fail, what's going to happen?
0: And I'll share another trick that we used. I have found that when you put um, a strap, holding the back wheel because the back wheel can jog around, right? Um, If you just strap it to the outside, it's just going to pull that wheel in. So what we did is we had one strap that went from one side of the trailer. It looped around a wheel. And then I went to the next wheel looped around and then went to the other side. What that did was kept the rear wheels from bouncing and moving around where you can have the bikes knock into each other. And again, because we couldn't see the bikes, we couldn't see the trailer. We wanted it to be as secure as possible. Um, so I wanted to share some other tips and tricks that that we've all learned on proper ways for fastening. And Emma, we were talking about, uh, the reason we got onto this, Jim, you'll appreciate this. We were talking about loading bikes up and I challenged Emma. I said, do you think you could take my CX-500 and with one bungee cord securely fasten it in the back of your El Camino? And Emma, your response was? Yeah, I think I could.
1: And it's, but it's more of knowing your vehicle than or it's as much a part of knowing your vehicle. You see, when I when I look back at my history of putting bikes in the back of pickup trucks, for the longest time I had um, a Mitsubishi Mighty Max. And I, I love my little Mighty Max because if, if you don't know what they are, it's like a pickup truck in two-thirds scale. They're tiny and they're very, very low. Well, of course, I rolled my Mighty Max and totaled it. Which was a very, very bad show. And then I got myself the Mazda, the B twenty three hundred. And I had it for years, I had it for a decade, but it was always a little bit too high. And the El Camino I like the most because it is it's lower than the Mighty Max. It's 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 really low to the ground. And if your truck is low that gives you a lot more maneuverability putting it in. I always think it's kind of funny that you'll see dirt bikes in the back of these really, really tall 4 by 4 trucks, and it's like, yeah, it's a dirt bike, and it's in the back of a dirt truck, but my God, it must be an effort putting it in. Well, Um,
0: that's why at Hollister they have loading ramps.
1: Right, (laughs) but my secret, my secret is a low truck and a really good front-wheel shock. Yeah, I've got go. a Baxley Sport shock in the El Camino, which is like a $300 shock. I mean, it's they're very, very expensive, but it's like a clamshell. So when the wheel goes in, not only does the back part come up, it actually clamshells around the wheel and grabs it. So you could really leave, unless the bike was really top-heavy, that front-wheel shock alone would... would hold it Mm -hmm. 50, 60% of the time, but then I'd pull the back end across, slam the tailgate shut against the back tire, and then trap the back end, and then the bike's kind of trapped at an angle in the bed, and it really can't move from side to side, and then just the one strap going across, so just do kind of a loop around the Mm -hmm. triple tree or something, just to hold everything in place, and that's it, you're done
0: so jim it wouldn't be hard you load your bikes up into your truck which is an average sized truck what tricks do you use
2: well I'll, I'll agree with emma the biggest thing is if you don't have a truck don't get a tall truck i used to have a tundra <clears throat> that i loved put a ton of miles on it and just traded it in but it was a bear because it had a higher tailgate so um i got a i just got a tacoma still four-wheel drive but a lower tailgate which makes a huge difference a couple other things is don't kill yourself with getting the smallest ramp possible. You know, I got a, a, a ramp that's um, it's folding and it's probably I'm guessing about eight or ten inches wide. So you know, there's a little bit more room. So when you and I'm and I unload and load bikes like Emma a lot by myself, so it's really nice to have a, a wide ramp because if you're backing a bike off and all of a sudden your back tire's halfway off and you still got a couple of feet to go, that's a problem. Um, so yeah, don't, don't get a cheap ramp, get something that's comfortable, <clears throat> you know, park on a lot of times you can get the back wheels in a, in a, in a low area. Um, I do this a lot camping mm-hmm. or at my, in the, in the gutter pan, next exactly. to my house in the driveway. So you back in, let the rear wheels set in the gutter pan of the driveway. And then the tailgate sometimes can be, you know, a foot off the ground. I've, I've, you can do it without even a, something to step on.
0: I, w- I want um, to go back real quick. Cause you talked about ramp. A lot of people try and use wood. And the problem with wood I've seen so often is it slips out. Uh, yep. Even just trying to push it off the back of the bed of the, the truck or trailer, you hit that wood and it just pushes it away,
3: or it bows.
0: Yeah, and so there's mm-hmm. great ramps, especially those ATV ones that are super wide. Um, yeah. So ramps, but also Jim, there's another trick that you use that you didn't mention, and that is the milk
2: crate. Oh yeah, well I use it well to step on. Yeah. Yeah. So I use like a milk crate as a step ladder. I mean, you can also, it doubles to carry fluids around in. Um, a milk crate works great. I've graduated to a cooler. Cooler works a little <laughs> better so you don't step so through you, it.
0: So you put that right next to the, underneath the gate. So you create a step.
2: Yeah, just a step. Like when I'm camping, you Big know, I don't difference. bring a, a step or anything. I just have the cooler and the cooler is acts as a step to get up and down.
0: And that goes from it being a two person job to a one person job.
2: Yeah, you should. Yeah, I. I, You should definitely learn how to load and unload bikes by yourself, um, because otherwise, you're gonna, you're not gonna, you're always gonna be looking for. And you don't. And it's not hard. I think the biggest advice is take your time. Technique. Yeah. Yeah. Go slow. You know. um, Oh, go ahead, Bengal.
3: Oh, yeah. I was, I was, I was going to say that, um, you know, there, there are certain things that you can do. Like if you can get the bike up in the truck by yourself, you know, you just put one strap on one side and that holds the bike while you get the other strap ready. You know, it's, it's, it's just learning the techniques and, and how to do it, you know, without, without relying on somebody else.
0: And here's a another no- thing. I, oh, go ahead. Emma, go ahead. Yeah. My
1: ideal way of loading up a bike now, um, and I've, I've pretty much got it down pat, I'll, I'll set up my truck where I want it. I've got um, rings at all four corners of the bed on the side, and I'll put the straps in the rings and just have them dangling off the side of the truck. And mm-hmm. then I'll push the bike in, wheel goes in the chock, and then it's just a case. I can almost sit astride the bike and reach to the left, put the mm-hmm. strap on, reach to the right, put the strap on, cinch them down, do the back, I tend to do the front a little looser because I want to preserve the fork seals and really jam the back down tight. Because generally the shocks can take it, the forks eh, a little choppier, um, and that's that's how I strap them down. You know, I make a slight. Jim's nailed it. It's it's a, you've got to make it a one-person job.
2: Yeah, because and, and, you and I'll have make a, a line a- of friends. A slight modification to the way Emma does it, because I don't have a wheel chalk, which would make it way easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I do, same thing: get my truck where I want it, walk the bike up slowly, and then um, put the side stand down. You put the side yeah, stand you know, down, uh, the bike just yeah. rests on the side stand. Then you're done, and then just easily pick up the straps. Like you said, you do one a little than the other, but you know that I, that works for me.
0: You know, and another trick that a lot—I I don't know why a lot of people don't figure out, but everyone brings the bike straight up into the, the trucker trailer. And if you don't have a, a, uh, um, a chalk, that wheel can move around. Put it into the corner of the bed. Mm-hmm. Going diagonally, or even if you just put it into the corner of the bed and secure that wheel to that corner, can make it a lot more secure. And the back can even bounce around. It doesn't really matter.
1: <laughs> yeah. And not- the front wheels jammed in there yeah
0: but i'll tell you i'll tell you real quick my trick is i bought a trailer that's low with a ramp it's the kind that the guys use to put their lawnmowers in it's so easy and with the chocks so
2: yeah the, the trailer's pretty awesome it's just
0: easy what about you bagel
3: um, well, yeah, I was also going to say that when you uh, put your bike in a, a truck bed diagonally, that'll give you extra length mm-hmm. where if you put it in a straight, straight, you might have to drive with the bed down, have the tire sitting on the bed. If you put it in diagonally, you can close the bed usually yeah. and fit the whole bike inside. Uh, the other tip that I wanted to give is that when you're strapping your bike down uh, by the handlebars, rather than uh, trying to, to mm-hmm. put the hook onto the handlebars somehow or attaching it to something else, I mean, you can use Canyon Dancers, which are great, but if you don't have those... Uh, um, one thing that you can do is put take the take the, the strap. Oh, yeah, good tip. Push it through the loop on your S-hook, right? <clears> then <throat> mm-hmm. so you're making a loop with the strap after you push it through. You put that loop with the strap over your handlebar, and that will cinch down and grab onto your handlebar really, really tight, so that's going to be much less likely to slip off.
0: That's a good tip. And you, you mentioned the Canyon Dancer. That is something that I have here. We were using it on the CX500. If you have a bike that doesn't have, like, bar and mirrors or hand guards or something a canyon dancer if you don't know what it is it is a strap with loops on the end um to fasten to but it also has some big loops that go over your hand handlebars like
3: like cups almost
0: yeah like yeah like cups that slide over um well tubes or are tubes that go over tubes, your handlebars yeah. that yeah. have the strap uh, loops that hang down from there so mm-hmm. it's a way that you can fasten without putting an s hook onto your handlebars
2: and I'll say a side note to that. What I love about those is if you use them on a lift, like you're in your shop and you put a, a bike on the lift, when you use those to strap it down, a lot of times it's not against the plastics. Now, sometimes you strap it down and it's up against, so it keeps the strap away from the plastics, which right. makes it way easier.
0: Basically, any sport bike, you want to use a Canyon Dancer.
2: Yeah. And,
1: it, it, and if I could add that... Um- if you like S&M darling, a tremendous value because you can strap down your bike and then you can strap down your partner afterwards and that
0: oh my
1: lots of fun
0: oh my oh,
1: yes. yes, oh, my lots of fun oh
0: my <laughs> um so there you go there's some some tips uh, we all have learned our lessons the hard way so hopefully well, you know I, yeah hopefully I that helps say, you with out.
2: Ours, yeah with ours you know we had those straps because we had the straps on the outside of the rail of the trailers so we look and you know, in retrospect, we'd do it again. I would, I would probably sleeve it with another piece of tubular webbing. You know, yeah. just get another piece of webbing, cut it. You know, tubular webbing, slide it over like a almost like a fire hose or something you could use um, to prevent that wear.
0: Yeah, because the the side rail wore through the strap.
2: Just, yeah, wore way. eventually and cut it. But yeah, yeah, live and learn. At least nothing went flying out. The, the number go. one rule I told Liza: just never look behind you. Just keep going. <laughs> just keep on going. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I didn't see nothing. You know,
1: that's a a great metaphor for life, Jimmy. You should never look back. Just keep moving forward anyway.
2: Oh, I learned that a long time ago from an old friend, yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't look behind you. Just look forward. That way you don't know.
0: Hey, let's knock out some of these emails, why don't we? Oh, cool. Uh, First one, Bagel, I forwarded this to you. Maybe you have somebody who's looking for it. This is from Nick. He says, uh, just curious if if you know anyone who'd be interested in a sidecar for a scooter. He says, I have a Cozy. Is it C-O-Z-Y? Is it Cozy? Yeah. A sidecar rig that's currently attached to a Bajaj Chautauk. Yep. And thought that maybe it might be odd enough to spark an interest. Although I am in Idaho, I could hmm. transport transport it as far as Pendleton, Oregon. I'm looking for 1000 for the sidecar with the mounting brackets and a spare tire. I can send pics if interested. Uh, so if anyone out there is looking for a scooter sidecar, uh, shoot us an email, no. recycle motorcycle garage at gmail.com and I'll forward it to Nick. Um, Bagel, why don't you have a scooter with a sidecar? What's up?
3: Um, because I like riding scooters, not sidecars. <laughs> oh,
0: burn! You hear that, Sheila? You hear it's that, Sheila? A,
3: it's, it's 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 not. I mean, it's a it's a it is. And I don't want to disparage them, but my kind of riding, it's like I sidecars really don't appeal to me. Um, you know, I mean, they're they're great for a parade or something. You know, if you're or if you're just gonna putt around town, you know, that's fine. But it's just. To me, it's kind of like add, just adding more weight onto a scooter that's supposed to be small and light and nimble. Um, yes, but, but what if you have a dog, darling? What do you? But yeah. Yes, there are people. I, yeah, I do not have
1: a dog, so I don't need a, dog, a sidecar well, for my dog. You, maybe, you but, should, maybe you should buy but, the fucking sidecar and then a dog.
0: <laughs> Wait, why <laughs> doesn't Electric Terry have a sidecar? Why should we buy this and put it on Terry's bike? Oh uh, yes, I
3: like maybe? the idea of that. Maybe, (laughs) but but I mean this is this is the sidecar would be great for a vintage Vespa or other similar bike like Estella uh, or Bajaj if somebody has one. Um, Now, if you haven't had a sidecar before, it is a very different riding experience, Um, but you may like it. So.
0: I tried to buy a a motorcycle with a sidecar years ago, but I never really pursued it. And here's why. I can fit three bikes in the space it occupies. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. And I go for quantity over quality. Um, All right. I got a new one. This one is from Austin. He says, question for Emma and the team. I have recently started to rebuild a new to me 1986 Honda Magna VF700C in rough condition. I've been riding Ooh, for about <laughs> I've been riding for about seven years now, but this is my first project bike. Ooh, that sounds okay. fun. I am learning a bunch and love wrenching. Some obvious things were taken care of quickly, like the tires, fluids, and brakes, and some are still Good. on the list to take care of, like the carbs that need to be stripped down. But there has yes. been one problem lingering and I have no idea what it is. He's going to describe it here. The front suspension going over speed bumps doesn't seem to bottom out, but when going over larger cracks in like railroads or bumps that are more pointy and not curved like a speed bump, there's a loud metallic clank and you can feel them in the handlebars. Super scary and obviously something is not right. It almost feels like the tire rim is smacking into the, the bump. At one point during a longer test ride, the bolts holding one of the frank front brake caliper sheared off and was dangling as I exited the freeway pretty gnarly any idea what else I need to take a look at that may be causing a clanking noise I can't seem to find any other loose free moving item on the bike that is causing the noise or is it really that simple that my suspension is bad and I should rebuild it thanks Austin
1: so what we've what we've got to look at here is what could cause a big enough bump to shear off a caliper bolt. And what we've got to think of is the rotor in relation to the caliper. Now that dimension shouldn't change. There's Mm. two things that are going to make it change.
2: Mm.
1: One thing is the wheel bearing's bad. Right. And if the wheel bearing's bad enough, When you hit a bump, the rotor will move up enough to smack into the caliper and break off a bolt, the same as if it's moving side to side. However, oh, God, you've got me on the spot now because this is a nearly 35-year-old bike. I am pretty sure that that magma has got track on the front fork, Mm -hmm. and if the track valve is stuck, it'll do exactly that.
0: And track, you want to explain it?
1: Track is Honda's anti-dive, and the way it works is the left-hand caliper pivots at the top, and when you brake, the radial force changes the angle of the caliper and pulls on a valve, which actually stiffens the front fork. And mm-hmm. which, bike very re- which bike first?
0: Which bike first had it? It's completely
1: mechanical, and the valves stick.
0: And what was the first bike to have the track suspension? Yours, I think. CX500 Turbo. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that's I a good think, tip right there.
1: I, yeah, mm-hmm. I think if it's got track, it's the track valve. If it hasn't got track, here are the things that will cause a clunk in the front end wheel bearings, steering bearings, steering head yeah. bearings, mm-hmm. fork bushes. All of which mm. are easily and cheap to replace. Your wheel bearings are going to run you about 10 bucks. Your steering head bearings are run- going to run you about 20 to 30. Your fork bushes are going to run you about the same. Okay. All balls do a great mm. kit. Bear in mind, all balls do not make anything. They import everything. So it's Chinese-made stuff. But it's good quality Chinese-made stuff. But they'll do a rebuild kit, which will have seals, dust seals, um, fork bushes, sliders, and all that good shit in in the kit. And they're not massively expensive. So it is scary. Get it fixed,
0: Austin. Um, And I did ask him to check the air pressure, and he said the tires are good. Right. Um, if
1: Austin wants to have a look at the dear misfits video, we did a rather mm-hmm. good one on how to check your bearings. So yes. follow the techniques. My advice to you, Austin, get the front end off, off the deck on your bike, get it up in the air. The easiest way to do it. You haven't got a center stand. Well, put it on its side stand and just get a floor jack underneath the other frame rail. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of jacking it up at an angle. Um, and just get the front wheel off the ground give it a spin check for play check for play in the steering head bearings it's it sounds it sounds to me he's got a, he's either got a wheel bearing going bad or the track valve stuck
0: i think i think you're on it with the track valve if if he has that that's a good good tip to look out for
1: yeah well you know the trouble is is do you, do you want to know why fork oil smells so bad
0: why does fork oil smell so bad?
1: Because it's fish-based. It really <laughs> is. I mean, it's not. A, it yeah. sounds like a joke, but yeah. it's actually fish-based. And the reason I use fish, it's very, very slippery. Fish oil is very, very slippery. Because the last thing you want is this thing called stiction. And stiction is where um, you get friction When the fork's moving up and down, it stops it moving. You want the fork to move up and down as as well as possible, but the damping to do its thing. So they use fish oil in the composite. The trouble is, any time you put organic oil in something, it's going to break down with wear. And when it breaks down, you get all kinds of corrosion, you get all kinds of goo. You know, I think Austin's track valve is filled with fish goo. Mm -hmm. How about that for an answer?
0: Oh... Are you talking fish like,
1: goo in fish. the track valve.
0: Okay, there you go. You yes. heard it, Austin. Uh, hmm. But it wouldn't be a bad idea, caviar, Wouldn't be a it's bad idea caviar. on a bike of that age to change out the bearing, steering, and wheel bearings. Might and be if, about if, if this is your first bike, you're wrenching on those are like rite of passage things to do on a project bike.
3: Yeah, maybe depending how many miles it's got and how yeah. dry they are.
1: Um, and Austin, here's a tip for you, darling. Before you even attempt the carburetors, buy yourself a set of inlet rubbers. You will Mm. not get your carburetors back on with old intake rubbers. And I'm talking about the ones that go between the carburetor and the cylinder head. They're not expensive, they're only about six bucks each. There's plenty of places that have still got them. Do not attempt. Out of all the bikes in the whole of the world, (laughs) the ones with the hardest carburetors to put back on are the V4 500s. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's the one where that carb is jammed in between the two engine heads? It's Uh, tight. Yeah. And if
1: you're trying to do it with old rubbers, you don't stand a chance, mate. So buy the rubbers now. You might as well get it out of the way. You might need carburetor kits too, but I guarantee... You need those rubbers. And um, re- yeah. if you've got any s- questions? Yeah, if you got any questions about the process, send us an email via Ask Miss Emma, and I'll set you right. I know those carburetors like the back of my hand.
0: There you go. All right, I got time for one more. Uh, this one comes from Josh in Sacramento. He says, hey, "Hi, Miss Viz." Hello, Josh. I'm a fairly new listener of your podcast and have been working my way through older episodes while listening to the new ones at work. Your podcasts are a lot of fun, and I think the idea of your shop is fantastic. I want to give a big congrats to Micah for joining us in our bright yellow shirts. I know how much fun it is to teach, and I find it super rewarding seeing a brand new writer suddenly get it when it comes to how writing works. We had three instructor candidates at our range that went through training with you, and I can't wait to work with all of them your episode this week in which you talked about Sturgis I am sure had people with strong opinions reach out I think Emma makes a good point about personal freedoms and risks we take as riders the difference with going to a rally like this and riding a motorcycle is that riding puts yourself at risk going to a rally you put everyone you come in contact with yeah nailed it yeah um he says, maybe it is an episode I haven't listened to yet, but you never say who is doing the up the butt. The who could wildly change what the bike is for many individuals. For that reason, I couldn't answer because my answer is different. If it is a grizzly old 300 pound bearded biker named Bubba or if it's a bikini model named Svetlana. Good point.
2: Mm. Let's
0: go somewhere in between the two, why don't we?
2: It's a donkey. there will be knock. It'd be <laughs> it's be knock. knock.
0: It's, knock. <laughs> it's knock. It's knock. Oh, it's knock. But he's similar to a donkey. But I promise you he's hairless and so sweet. There you go. And any 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 cries afterwards if that helps.
1: I was going to say he will be gentle. He will cry but he will respect you in the morning.
0: There
2: you go. It smells kind of like fish oil, too. <laughs> oh, like old like uh, fish oil.
0: And he says, It smells like old fork oil. He says, <laughs> And if you guys are ever in the Sacramento area on a ride or want to know what the awesome local foothill ro- roads are, hit me up. Hey, thanks, Josh. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. We are all so proud of Micah, you know, um, becoming an instructor and just taking it just even further. I, I'm proud of everyone who comes through the garage who becomes a better writer, a, better at everything they do in the motorcycle community. I think it's great. Um, so I think that about wraps it up. Um, hopefully next week it's not going to be so hot. We weren't terribly productive today.
1: Oh, it was beastly, darling. It was beastly. beastly. But I, yeah. Well, no, I tell you what, you say we weren't productive. You got your CX running.
0: Yeah, I did most of the work yesterday, though.
2: I was pretty productive. I made frozen <laughs> mighty mudslides and went to the beach for a couple hours. <laughs> oh, most productive God. thing I did all weekend.
0: It was still fun. I, I, I love it when we everyone just sits around sharing stories. That's one of my favorite things at the garage.
1: And let me tell you something about Jim's mighty mudslides. It 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 may be the most fantastic thing I've ever driven, uh, ever driven. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> Oh God! I mean, it's it's. You get a sugar rush. You get an alcohol rush. You get brain freeze.
2: I'm <laughs> not sure what what happened to little of the Chihuahua. She she had a little she, a little something. You in can't mind. say
1: that on the air. You can't say you gave boost. Did to the you dog. get the Chihuahua drunk? I Is do that what that. happened?
0: Is that why she was just laying on the ground with her tongue hanging out?
2: I don't know, That's yes, Bagel. Basically.
0: Oh jeez, you guys.
2: Didn't do anything.
0: Oh jeez. <laughs> Well, I think it's uh, time to wrap it up. Um, hey, send your questions to recycle motorcycle garage at gmail dot com. We appreciate it. We need more questions to answer and give us your feedback. What's your favorite bike? And also big shout out to thanks. thanks to the people who've sent <laughs> us gear. um my gear garage is overflowing. Um we need to get we need to get gear into the hands of these people. so yeah. Send um, us new riders. Send us riders, people. Send us riders that need gear. We we need, We need. have <laughs> yes. gear to give away. Exactly. Um, and uh, hopefully I'll ride the CX500 Turbo a little bit more and gives me those feel-good feel feelies. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's yeah. all about. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I think uh, we're ready to wrap up. Go to motorcyclesandmisfits.com. You'll find links to everything. And... Um, Shout out again to Rev Sisters and the Black Hills Moto Film Festival. Hope you enjoyed it. We had a good time putting that together. Um, Let's get out of here. Thanks, everyone. This is Liza.
2: Stretch, Bousa! Make Naked Jim, son.
0: And we're out of here.
2: Cool, 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 cool.